aging is an extraordinary process where you become the person you always should have been. Who are we going to become when we grow older? What does retirement look like? What kind of life will we live? And how will we leave this earth? If you have these questions, then you need to listen to my next guest talk about the silver generation. Hello and welcome to my podcast, Unapologetically KK. My guest today is Shainur Koja, who is a serial entrepreneur. Hello, Shainur, and welcome to Unapologetically KK. Hi, Kanchan. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for for coming here, talking to me. We've been trying to do this for a while, so I'm glad that we're finally sitting across each other and having this conversation because uh, you were actually introduced to me through Lucy Chow, who I had and who was talking about the Angel Investing Network. And, uh, you know, we've been trying to do this for a few months now. And then when we spoke over the phone, I was like, oh my God, this is a conversation we must have. And and, and you, you just have so much to say. So I I'd love for you to tell us about your journey and about what you do. Sure. Thanks a lot, Kanjan. And I'm sorry it was such a challenge to get together, but life is busy. Absolutely. Which is good. So I really started my life, um, I guess I'd like to start uh, at the age of six. I was born in Africa Mm -hmm. and uh, my parents were wealthy, but overnight all their assets were frozen. And uh, so I moved to the UK with them as a refugee. Okay. And we started our life there. And the reason why I want to start my story there is that at the age of 11, mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to get a government scholarship right. to a private school. So my entire private school education from 11 to A-level graduation was fully paid for. But what I'm trying to um, sort of make the point of here is that it transformed my life because it put me amongst different people with different aspirations, teachers, subject matters, opportunities that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Mm -hmm. And that's what sort of um, took me along my journey to get into healthcare. Uh, I trained as a physical therapist at a very prominent hospital in the UK called St. Thomas's. I then spent over a decade um, in hospital and private practice, was very successful at that, um, but always wanted to give back. Mm -hmm. Um, And that give back sort of translated itself later in life when I went out to Afghanistan to actually um, help their women and children in health and education and to use technology to help with that process. And during my sort of 12 years in Afghanistan, I really realized how business could be a force for good. Mm -hmm. And so my life thereafter has always been about business for social good and for sustainable profit. That's such an amazing journey. And I commend you for that because, you know, you see a lot of people who who go through things and a lot of them do get affected and give back, but a lot of them don't. So it's it's really so encouraging to listen to somebody who can turn their pain into purpose, you know, and, and because they've gone through it, they can understand it so much better at a level that it's difficult to explain to someone who hasn't been through it, who's lived a life, you know, that may be tough in, in bits and pieces, but being displaced and losing everything and not knowing where you're going to go from here 
gives you a different perspective in life. So to be able to understand that and help people is is amazing. And, you know, congratulations for all the work that you are doing. Thank you. And, and today we are going to be talking about the issue of aging. Um, when we spoke uh, over the phone a few weeks ago, I know you have uh, a personal experience with your mother and I'd really like you to share that with us if you're comfortable doing that. Sure. But, you know, really to understand what happens after this this golden age of retirement when you turn 60 and you know with like a magic wand your life is supposed to change and you're supposed to be on a cruise ship somewhere you know enjoying (laughs) you know the rest of your life but it's not like that is it no no it isn't and uh, you know being a physical therapist I guess I've always treated older patients Mm -hmm. before but I've seen them you know through a phase you know, they had a hip replacement or a knee replacement, and then you get them back into action, and that's when you disconnect. But I suppose um, I really started looking at aging when uh, my father passed away about 10 years ago, and my mother was living on her own. Now, my mother's been a businesswoman. She drives, cooks, cleans, you know, does the finances, does everything, an independent person in her own right and managed to live alone Mm -hmm. for six years without issue. But slowly as she got old, she started having falls and each fall accompanied a loss of sort of identity and a loss of confidence. And eventually, you know, she downsized, moved into an apartment on a ground floor with a concierge. But even so, um, it's extremely stressful for an individual that is caring for an older parent as well. Because as society has grown and the world has become more global, people are no longer living right next door to each other or in the same village or town or even city. More and more people are living globally. Mm -hmm. And that accompanied by the fact that, you know, families are shrinking, they're becoming more nuclear. Yes, yes. There are fewer people to look after older individuals. And I think we all know that the social services the insurance, et cetera, is also facing its own challenges. So there are fewer resources to support individuals. And in my own personal case, my mother fell. Now, I used to call her three times a day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I usually called her at six in the morning, uh, which was about nine or 10 o'clock my time in Dubai. She lived in London. And often she wouldn't answer and you'd think, oh, she may be saying her prayers or, you know, she's in the shower. You let a bit of time pass and you call again. On this particular occasion, despite her medic alert pendant, she went to the washroom at 2 a.m., slipped. Oh, And she fell and she got stuck between the sink and the toilet and she couldn't get herself up. So I called at 6, I called at 9, I called at 10. By 11, I was seriously worried. Yeah, absolutely. So I called the concierge and I said, please, can you go and knock? Because she's not answering her mobile phone. She's not answering her phone. I'm just a little worried. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, I'm knocking and I'm ringing and I can hear someone, but no one's opening the door. So I said, please break the door. Mm -hmm. And that's how we found her eight hours later. She was still there. She was still on the floor. And, you know, think about your dignity. Absolutely. Think about, you know, how scared you you would be. You know, at that time, my mum was 80 years old. Mm -hmm. So that's a horrible thing. And uh, 
for me, I had to move her to Dubai to live with me. Right. And I'm very grateful for the government because they have this humanitarian visa. If you've got nobody and you're older and your dependent lives in Dubai. Mm -hmm. But if you've got earnings, if you can prove that your earnings are 20,000 dirhams or more and you've got accommodation and that you can pay for their insurance, you can get what's called a humanitarian visa. So I was very lucky to get my mother here. And she is now sort of walking and talking and living her life and I can afford carers here, so it's great. But I think, you know, if we just take her case study Mm -hmm. as an example, you know, as life sort of, as the age started creeping up on her, Mm -hmm. I noticed that she became slower and slower, and so did my father. Like, I have visions of my father playing tennis with me and my husband. Right. Him on a singles court and us on a doubles court. And he would thrash us. Mm -hmm. But slowly it became harder for him to do up his laces. He just became a bit slower in the walking. And the thing is, because you love your parents so much, it's really hard to see these signs. Absolutely, You have to really look. And it's also hard to accept these signs. I think they try to hide them as well because it's psychologically damaging to them to say, I don't want anyone to know. I keep forgetting things. I don't want anyone to know. I can't do the basic things to get through my day. So a lot of the times they kind of play it down so that you don't know. And nobody wants to be dependent on someone else. And I think that's the worry. So I think that, you know, the first thing, you know, when my, when this incident happened, I started looking into the issue of aging. Mm -hmm. And there are a number of buckets, right? So there's what happens to you as the person that's getting old, right? You get to that age where it becomes harder. You do start forgetting things. You get a bit more tired quicker. Your friend circle usually, you know, begins to sort of shrink a little because other people are getting ill or dying or moving in with their kids, moving away. Then you lose your work or Mm -hmm. you stop working. And with that goes your identity because, you know, that gave you purpose every morning to get out of bed, dressed, going, etc. So all of those sort of physio-social things Mm -hmm. impact you, right? Now you don't need to shop as as much on clothing. You don't have to think about what you're going to wear. You don't have an income. I mean, even if you have savings, there is this thing of not knowing how long you're going to live. And then you think, oh my God, I'm digging into my savings. What if they don't last? It's just that I have no income. And especially for people, I think nowadays where they have been used to having an income, you know, they've had their own finances, they've been working and, and they've been running their own household, looking after themselves. It's, it's, a lot more difficult to switch into this this whole retirement mindset because I remember with my grandparents, uh, my grandmother never worked, and there was this this thing that they knew what they were going to do as they got older because they were in a community. Everyone, you know, they had friends and they kind of had that kind of a social circle, and life kind of got into that phase 
pretty seamlessly because everyone just knew what was sure. coming ahead of them. And they they had planned their lifestyle in such a way because they never had an income. So they knew how to live within a certain amount of money. And, and they got to that stage where they used to say things like, you know, I'm old now. I'm not going to be around for, you know, seeing you having kids. I may not be around to, you know, when in the next time you come because my mother, uh, my grandmother was in India and I used to live in Dubai. And so she was like, maybe I don't see you the next time. So somehow their mortality was, I don't know if it's easier, but they were more adjusted psychologically towards I'm older now and this is going to be my life. I don't see that happening with my mother because my mother's had a business. She's always worked and retirement for her was a switch and psychologically has and had an impact on her to say, I'm not going to work anymore. You know, what's my day going to be like? What am I going to do? How am I going to readjust myself? So I think that the first point you mentioned is all around the scarcity. That's Mm -hmm. the term I use because, you know, you have this abundance of friends and family and you're useful so you can babysit for your grandkids and all of this. And then suddenly, you know, you're that much older and and you can't. Mm -hmm. And then the income goes and then the scarcity comes in. And, you know, there is that decline. But I think what is important to remember is that there are groups and opportunities to do things now Mm -hmm. that are available. And that the difference between perhaps your grandmother and my mother um, is slightly different yeah. as would be me and you. Right. So, for example, you know, my mother today at 84 years old still has a will to live. Absolutely. And with technology, with Skype, with Zoom, um, you know, with WhatsApp, etc., she can do many things and be engaged in a number of activities. She can listen to YouTube, etc. But even that, Kanjan, what I found with my research is that a lot of technology is there. It's not sort of elder friendly. I agree. Because as elders get, you know, further on in their years, let's Mm -hmm. say 80 plus, but I like not to classify it with a number because it's all around competency levels. Yes. But, you know, let's say 80 plus, it suddenly becomes harder for them to navigate an iPhone sort of dashboard or an Android dashboard that has 32 apps and icons on it. Yeah. Basically, what they want is what they use regularly to be easily accessible and they need bigger buttons, et cetera. They need it. Yeah, absolutely. And they need it to be easy, the color of the ink, the size of the text, et cetera. And of course, now with Alexa and Siri and so forth, you know, um, there's a, a lot of options to use voice as well. And so when I was looking at the the issue of aging, I realized that there was this identity loss, there was this loss of purpose Mm -hmm. and opportunity and the steady decline. Yeah. And then I looked at what does that decline do? That decline brings mental stress. 
it brings physical illnesses, it increases the cost of health care, a whole variety of knock-on effects. Yeah, it shakes your confidence, basically, in, exactly. in your ability to, to look after yourself. Because if you have been somebody who has always looked after you know themselves and you've had exactly. other people who depend on you and you've been a person who who can go out there and do everything. And that's psychological. That's not always physical. You could be older and retired and have nothing wrong with you physically, but psychologically... Exactly. The decline starts because now you feel, what's my identity? Like you were saying, and yeah. you know, today's in today's world, that's how we introduce ourselves. Exactly. I'm, I'm a podcaster. I'm a fashion designer. You know, yeah. I'm an entrepreneur. You don't you don't talk about yourself in any other terms and saying I'm sixty or I'm fifty. You know, you don't talk about your age. You talk about who you are in terms of what you do, and you take that away from someone. Basically, you're taking everything away from them because now they have to reinvent themselves. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, um, you know, when you think about uh, the aging population, more and more, uh, most of the research shows that in excess of 90 percent mm -hmm. of older people want to age in place. They want to get old where they are. Right. They want to live independently. Yes. And in order to do that, the kind of elder person that you and I are discussing today, somebody that is healthy mm -hmm. in general, might have some non-communicable diseases like yeah. diabetes or cardiovascular, might be a little frail, maybe forgets a few things, but is kind of physically active, can wash, dress, go to the washroom, fix a cup of Absolutely. tea, etc. For that individual to institutionalize them in a senior living community or a, a care home just totally strips them of everything. Now it strips them of all their belongings. I know how stressful it was for my mother to move out of her house of 25, 30 years with mm. all the memories you know, memories with her husband, memories with her family, memories with her kids, the weddings of my brother and myself. And to take that six-bedroom life and condense it into a two-bedroom apartment, it's yes. heartbreaking. Right. And then to move from there into our home, which is, I say, our home because it's her home as much as. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they never really accept that. She has her own suite and everything, but still mentally it's really hard for that to happen. And then if you put a cultural lens on top of that... Mm -hmm. It's very difficult for Asian cultures, yes. for Arab cultures, etc. It's a totally different way um, of caring for our elder. And I think that brings me on to Kanchan, the fact that this problem is not going away. Absolutely not. You know, Absolutely by not. 2050, 2.1 billion people across the globe will be over the age of 60. Yes. Canada has already reached its tipping point. Right. There are more older people in Canada today than there are under the age of 15 years. China, Japan, Korea, Singapore, parts of India, Pakistan have already reached their tipping point. Mm -hmm. The UK is going to reach its tipping point next year. Right. And in the US today, 48 percent of retirees do not have money to retire on. 
Wow, these are staggering no. numbers. I mean, you know, when you put them down, it's it's just amazing to see how we haven't already found something to do with this, you know, this problem. Yeah. There should have been a solution already, but now we're right in the middle of it and we're now starting to think what we're going to do. And now companies are coming on board and saying, we have a whole population we need to look after. Sure. I mean, the, the silver economy, as they call it, mm -hmm. is over a $15 trillion opportunity. Wow. But it's a $25 trillion risk if we don't deal with it. Right. Because with this tipping point, the tipping point meaning more older people than younger people, what you're having is fewer people paying taxes that support the social system, that support the older people. Right. Which now means that a lot of that burden falls on the family. Mm -hmm. And in the family, usually it's the oldest daughter or the oldest daughter-in-law whom it falls on. Mm -hmm. And lots of research done by employers shows that when you're looking after someone as a carer, your productivity at work drops by 19%. Now that is huge, that. right? That is as huge. an employer, you don't want that. So I guess what I'm trying to do when I look at this is I really want to make sure that this bond, this bond between mother and child, father and child, mm -hmm. which is beautiful yes. along its life in most in instances, you know, even if you hate your mother or your father, yeah. inherently there is some love there somewhere. Absolutely. Right? Why should the third act be one that is stressful, burdensome and sad. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't. This is life cycle, right? We we come into life needing care. We leave life needing care. Mm -hmm. But it can be done with dignity, with respect, with purpose. And I think this is sort of the, the foundation on which Thrive, mm -hmm. which is what I'm working on at the moment, is built Yes. It's a way in which to engage families, their loved ones, bridge the distance and keep everyone engaged mm -hmm. together for the things that matter. Right, right. So I'm just going to step back and, and just talk about this whole silver economy, because what we're talking about is people over 60 who now, due to medical advances, are actually healthier than their previous generation. They're living longer. Uh, and we can see that from, from our grandparents as well. My maternal grandfather passed away at the age of 45. There were several others like him. Yeah. You know, uh, women were, were having to handle their families at a lot younger age on their own as single parents uh, and, and so managed it with the limited resources they had and, and put themselves into that situation without knowing how they're going to manage. And they just got along with family support because there was such a huge community maybe 40, 50 years ago. Yes. And like you're saying, we're moving away now. We're smaller and, you know, kids are not living with their parents. They may be living in different continents. So we are talking about now somebody who has been working their entire life, has gotten to the age of retirement and now has to retire retire, may or may not have the resources and finances to retire, may or may not be physically well 
to look after themselves. So there are a few stages of retirement that I have over here, which is pre-retirement. And that's about five years before you're going to retire. So you start thinking, and this is what I see here. And my research shows that there is a psychological impact. You've already started to think about what's going to happen in the next five years, because you've obviously been working for probably 30 years, 40 years. And now you're at the last five years and you're thinking, do I have enough? Yes. What am I going to do with my time if I have enough money? Then you get into the actual retirement, which I think initially is exciting because you think, oh, I've been working (laughs) so long. I deserve this break. And then contentment, because you now have a list of your things that you wanted to do that you probably didn't have the time or the money to do before. So you do have a few years when you retire after retirement where you're happy to say, I'm enjoying the time that I have now. But then you get into your disenchantment. What now? Right. I've done what I had to do. What now? I'm healthy. You know, I may live another 20, 30 years. I don't know. What am I going to do? Yeah. So, I mean, I think you bring up a real uh, conundrum. I think people, there, there are two bits to this, right? There, there was previously the lifetime job mm-hmm. that, system has been changing a -hmm. little in that there are fewer people now that would have worked for 30 years in the same company or 40 years in the same company, but there are some. And there's a good and bad to that. Um, the, The sort of good thing about not having that longevity in one institution is that people have got better at sort of short-term assignments that are purposeful. And so that helps them as they mature and go into retirement. But I think you're absolutely right. People that are sort of 55, 60 are already beginning to plan for retirement. And I think here also there are some cultural issues. Mm -hmm. Very much in the Western world, it's a question of I've worked and now I'm going to retire and I'm going to do all these things that I never had time to do, Mm -hmm. right? So there's that kind of uh, excitement to get to that milestone. The famous bucket list. Exactly. And then planning for it. There are certain cultures where, you know, there's this clinging on to um, your responsibilities, your your ability to be the patriarch or the matriarch and, you know, still be engaged in business and work and so forth. Mm -hmm. So for that individual, it's actually a very, very stressful time. So I think, you know, in this 55 to 60, 65 year uh, band, it's really important to have support and access to information uh, and models of retiring that mm-hmm. can help you positively plan right. for the next phase. Because you can go and do your bucket list, then what, right? Exactly, then exactly. what? And so a lot of research is showing that if you are purposefully engaged, you will live seven and a half times longer than you would have, and you will lead a healthier, happier life. So this all comes down to psychological impact. Yes. This is all about how you feel about yourself. This is not physical. Yes, you could have physical issues, but we've heard time and time again how a strong mind can get you out of any situation. Exactly. It's, It's about feeling needed, 
wanted being able to contribute but do you think people are focusing on that because i i during my research online i do see that there are organizations for senior citizens yes. for post retirement and all of that talking about the things that they can do you know what kind of lifestyle they can have and there are people i guess in the west i haven't really seen a lot of it in the east sure. um you know telling you that there's a whole new world here for you and and they help them ease into that um but are they helping them psychologically um you know are they looking at how this makes them feel and is that being addressed so you know that's a really broad question there are people looking at the sort of psychosocial part of aging but i w- would it be universal no mm-hmm. no it wouldn't be universal and i think that also what is changing here is that because of healthcare and technology and just our own progress longevity is increasing so you know most of these retirement ages your pension your insurance policy was all designed on you retiring at 65 and maybe living another 20 25 years right mm-hmm. uh but that's now we're going to have more people over 100 you know and probably you live to 110 oh wow no so you know those models no longer work yeah. right so that's one thing the second thing and the reason why i'm going into this um in this depth is because i think the whole system needs disrupting mm-hmm. and looking at again and in um sweden norway uh parts of holland they're already starting to look at multigenerational developments right so older and younger people living in the same areas in some places sharing accommodation because students need low cost accommodation elders have you know very expensive homes with lots of houses and they you know do dinner together and chores together and they can be taken out and so you know rent That's is affordable absolutely there are lots of um sort of uh, companies out there doing things where students can do chores for elders part of thrive is what we call skill swap which is where you know an elder and a youngster can connect and the elder can share an experience or a skill and uh you know the youth can teach them facebook or whatsapp or some sort There's of technology so much that can be shared and that interaction is really really interesting and my first hand experience of that here in dubai is that we did a little bit of research where we brought older people and younger people together and we just put 10 topics on the wall and we said put your name under a topic that you'd like to talk about and we randomly matched these um older and younger people for a 15 minute conversation and it was extremely interesting you know i've got a movie of this mm-hmm. so first of all the buzz in the room was incredible And then when we did the debrief they talked about the subject matter for maybe 5 or 6 minutes. Right. And then they just talked about life. Just about the things that were on their minds. And then when we sort of debriefed the youth they were saying gosh I didn't know I could learn so much from an older person. It was so interesting. I didn't know how to interact with an older person. Mm-hmm. I could tell an older person something I can't tell my grandmother or my mother and they gave me advice on how I could do that 
And when you talk to the older people, they were like, I felt so useful. I didn't know what I had to give was meaningful to them. Absolutely. It gives you a sense of purpose. Exactly. And I think, you know, wherever you find your purpose, some people find it in faith. Some people find it helping others. Some people find it in sort of doing a two or three hour or one day a week job, whatever it is. When I was a physio in the UK, it was so hard with young receptionists. You know, we worked on a Saturday and Friday night they'd be at a party. They'd turn up late Saturday morning. I started at 7 a.m. It was so stressful. In the end, I ended up with two retiree women Mm -hmm. that split the week between them. And they were efficient. They were they want to be professional. There. They wanted to be there. Yes. They were cheaper for me. You know, it just worked in every way possible. Absolutely. But how do you make this happen, Kanchan? People's mindsets need to change. It's not just the elder person's mindset. It's societies. Absolutely. It's employers. Yes. Uh, it's recruitment agency because we, you know, we value youth. We value speed. We value sort of technology and we are losing some of that communication value, some of that experiential value, etc. And so I think managing those two things is really critical. And I think this area is going to be super exciting over the next 30 years. So Shainu, tell me about Thrive. I know you've mentioned it and I know we've talked about it a little bit about matching experienced people with a younger generation because you still have so much to offer. You may slow down in terms of technology. You may slow down in terms of, you know, what's going to happen in the future, but you can't take away the experience that an older person has. And and I, you know, it's a joke. I keep telling my, my kids that, do you think you know more than me? Maybe, you know, as far as technology is concerned, yes. As far as you know, innovation is concerned, yes. Sure. But do you honestly believe that I have been on this earth and had less experience than you have in your fifteen years on you know on this planet? <laughs> and and they just don't get it. You know, yeah. kids just think that. And I guess we did it to our parents and grandparents to think that you know we are younger, we are more innovative, and we have the generation has changed. Times have changed. You yes. don't understand, you know, and and so obviously that is still going on. And and to kind of refocus now to say, hang on a minute, experience is as important as innovation. Yeah. So you know, I think the thing is that we we all need to change, mm-hmm. and we do need role models, of which there are some that um, are really interesting. And I think we need to share more of these role models. But I think what you are referring to here is that, of course, times change. And so I will be more proficient at the computer than my mother would be. My mother would take a deep breath before be too scared to press a button Mm -hmm. in in case she did something wrong. So, yes, there is innovation, there is advancement, but you can't take away the real deal experience. You know, for me, I've learned a lot in my business from talking to my father Mm -hmm. and even talking to my mother. But the real question is, as our parents retire, how do we bring up the topic of being purposefully engaged? Yes. Whether that is around doing volunteering work, whether that is around, you know, doing part-time work, 
it's a very sensitive topic. It is. It's absolutely sensitive yeah. to a point where, you know, you don't want to force them to do something. You want to be helpful and you don't know how to broach the subject. You don't know what you need to say, but then you feel, you know, they have so much more to give. Exactly. And I think you've just got to suggest and to trial it out. Mm -hmm. So this is why we tend to periodically hold these elder younger events. And, you know, if I close my eyes and told you my ultimate dream, mm -hmm. my ultimate dream would be to support Thrive, to have thriving spaces mm -hmm. that are multi-generational. So actually you'd have a creche, a reading room, a cafe, a gardening place and a startup hub all mm -hmm. in one place right. so that the family can come mm -hmm. and spend time there and do things together. So I think that, you know, with, with my mother, I've kind of tried to do it from the point of view that I get so many business cards when I go to uh, conferences and all, mm -hmm. and it's a pain to sort them out. But it's something that she can do very easily. Mm -hmm. And she just puts them in alphabetical order for me. But that happens every week. Yeah. So that she might have 10 or 12 cards every week. So it's not a lot, but it's a little. And then you can begin to talk about what that is. And then you can say, oh, well, do you think you could file this? Do you think you could sort out these papers? And gradually from that, you know, sort of say, hey, would it be fun to do something like this? Yeah. You know, and, and so introduce parents in that way to yeah. issues that you're dealing with first. I think that the other thing that is really important is to check out in your community what else is going on. Yes. And initially, possibly things that you can do together. Mm -hmm. And then later that they can go on their own without you. Absolutely. Because they're always going to be a little insecure. Yes. And I feel that like I see that with my mother, with my mother is a business partner on my fashion business. And I every time I have something to do with, you know, the, the paperwork or the government or visas or whatever, I was like, mom, you know, this is on you. Please make sure you handle it yeah. because she used to do that for her business before she came on yeah. as a partner in mine. And I just know that I can trust her to say, mom, all of this, this work needs to be done. Please sort it out. And she's like, yeah, of course I'll, I'll go and, you know, I'll get it done. You don't have to worry about it. And I, I think that's such a great asset to have. And the other thing she's starting to get involved in that she absolutely loves is to work out. Terrific. My mom puts me to shame. I mean, <laughs> literally that woman goes for a walk in the morning, goes for a walk in the evening, will go to the gym in the afternoon. And I'm like, mom, you're really making me look bad. Stop doing that. I'm like a couch potato. I can't get off the couch. I, I know my mom goes morning and evening and she knows every neighbor along our street, right? And I don't even know our next door neighbor. So yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. But I think, you know, in my suggestions as Thrive is developing, mm -hmm. what I realize is, the term silver economy mm -hmm. and the grouping 60 and upwards is massive. Yeah. It has to be segmented. Mm -hmm. And the way that we're looking at it is sort of 85 plus. Mm -hmm. then they have different needs. Yeah. And then we're looking at sort of 75 plus and then 55 plus. Right. 
And like I said before, I hate the number around it because, mm-hmm. you know, you can be 55 and be housebound. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could be 90 and jogging. Yeah, right? And there absolutely. are examples of this. Yes, absolutely. Barbara Beeskin is 95 years old and she works at IDEO, uh, the famous design mm-hmm. brand that made the Apple mouse. Mm-hmm. And she goes in to help with geriatric AIDS, uh, you know, walking sticks, etc., the grips and that. And she goes one day a week. Yeah. Beautiful. Absolutely. Right? And absolutely. there are other examples. But that's what it is. This. There's so much you can add, you know, because of your own experience. Exactly. And there are, you know, agencies and groups. There's the Encore group, which has been around forever. And they are basically provide part-time and purposeful volunteering opportunities, predominantly in the States. There's another group called APRE that do, you know, sort of short-term assignments uh, when you're retired that you can take on. Now with the gig economy, there's so much opportunity. And so the way I see this is, you know, Thrive has um, sort of offerings for the housebound kind of individual that requires to be engaged, connected from their home Mm -hmm. that doesn't have to go to 32 apps. Everything they need is right there and it's very easy. And some of the things that you can do on Thrive, you can just do them so easily that you engage your parent in your daily life. Mm -hmm. The next person is this frail but fit individual that we're talking about again could be of any age but predominantly I guess 75 plus Thrive has offerings for them Mm -hmm. that are special and then the third segment that we're looking at is the kind of 60 and rising because the real benefit here is to catch people early on Mm -hmm. and engage with them early on Mm -hmm. so that you can get the best outcome at the other end. I think retirement, if you kind of just change your perspective, can just be like changing your job. It doesn't have to be the end of your job or your working career. It can just say that, okay, I can now do something different. And there are so many opportunities. There are people who are freelancing now. There are people who are, you know, younger people who want to work from home. And now you have a whole generation who's saying, I'm ready to get back into the workforce. You know, I'm not ready to retire. So you have resources. And and the idea is if we were just to change the way we look at things and get rid of this number, like you're saying, you could open up a whole new world for so many people. Exactly. You know, and some of the jobs that I have here that that people can look at after this this age of retirement is become a consultant. You have all the experience, you know, you may not want to go and have a nine to five job, but you can, you can go in and consult for whenever you have a project, uh, become a tutor, um, customer service rep, like you were saying, they have so much patience. They're so, you know, willing to talk to people. They they feel so useful. Um, a virtual assistant, if you, if they are a bit tech savvy and, you know, I think everybody now, I mean, if I were to give my grandmother a phone, she would never use it. My mom is so tech savvy. I mean, she will send me YouTube clips to watch all the time. And when I sit down and have a conversation with her, we're not talking about, you know, old recipes or reminiscing and talking about the past. We're talking about what is happening today because she is keeping herself up to date with what is happening. So you can have some really meaningful conversations if you just want to sit down and listen. Exactly. And I think, I think the issue here is that 
there isn't enough yet. It's mm-hmm. coming. Mm-hmm. There's been a massive amount of investment over the last 10 years into this area. But like anything, people mm-hmm. put money where they can make money quickly first. So the first thing you saw was the real estate play in developing these beautiful kind of resort type of retirement communities, which are great for certain people. You know, if you mm. want to golf and live with other people but of that's the same limited. age. It's limited. To it's the expensive. West, it doesn't and it's happen to the here. West, yeah. yeah. When you think about, um, you know, the East or the Arab world, the world where the family unit is still treasured and, uh, you know, quite intact, mm-hmm. in that space, there's been very little mm-hmm. to support this. And remember, government regulations also need to push this type of behavioral change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, governments could do this. So, in fact, they could help alleviate healthcare costs by providing purposeful part-time employment Mm -hmm. for people that are retired because that connection has been proven time and time again. If you look at anything at the Milken Institute or any of these um, age-related think tanks, there's lots and lots of information that supports this. Mm -hmm. And I think what is happening right now is that pockets of the world are beginning to understand this and beginning to tackle it. But because it's still seen as nascent in many other parts of the world, it's slow on Mm -hmm. the uptake. Mm -hmm. I think more and more you'll see more investment go in that is directly targeted to enabling this segment, this generation, Mm -hmm. to be more actively engaged. And also, when we started, I talked about less tax money to support the social structures. Mm -hmm. I think that also is going to be a push for governments to change the way in which, you know, healthcare is provided for elders. And I think that now we're finding more and more insurers are getting engaged in this kind of tech with the advent of machine learning and AI and data analytics the back ends of a variety of platforms, including Thrive, give you data on mood, on choices, on preferences, um, the likes and dislikes, mm-hmm. uh, the, the uh, sort of uh, compliance to medicine, the number of times elders go to the doctor, etc. So very soon you're going to have data that's going to show that if your mother or grandmother is working half a day a week doing something purposeful, paid or unpaid, doesn't matter, it's just something that they enjoy, they have their heart in, Mm -hmm. and that they are, you know, having some live conversations and learning, Mm -hmm. then they are going lesser to the doctor, then the sort of cost of the insurance is less, then the cost to uh, the healthcare system and the government is less. And that's what's going to trigger the change. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of what I'm banking on as well. (laughs) No, absolutely. It's coming. You know, it's almost like a forgotten generation that we we know we have. It's a resource. We can tap into that resource in terms of the experience that they've had through life. And, you know, it's it's perfect 
match if you take the new and the old and us the in between exactly <laughs> you know and and just realize that it's one race one planet and everyone should feel that they're living every year of their life with purpose and you know it's not that now that they have got the sell by date they've been completely forgotten not just by society but even by their family because they have become this this additional burden to look after yeah. and and i think when that perception changes to see that it's not just that you love them it's that they are worth so much more Exactly. And I think, you know, that burden can be transformed into actually an asset. Absolutely. You know, do you really want to sort of see that last part of life as your parent being a burden? I don't think anybody really wants that. They want it to be happy. They want them to go out on a bang. They will go out. That's life. You Mm -hmm. can't change that. But why not make it as meaningful and purposeful as as it can be? I think, you know, I was really fortunate. I had a grandfather that really did not want to be dependent at all, was totally, totally independent. He died at 81, but literally two weeks getting ill and just passed away Mm -hmm. in his sleep. My mother-in-law, father-in-law, the same. You know, my father died young, unfortunately, at 72, but again fairly quick mm-hmm. and you know I think that's that's the way I'd like to go yeah um, there's a really excellent book that kind of helped me in my thought process um, by uh, the gentleman Dr. Atul Gwande mm-hmm. called Being Mortal right and it talks about quality of life versus quantity of life mm-hmm. and I think that's what we're dealing with here Absolutely. at least that's what I'm trying to deal with because I want every day to be meaningful, purposeful, and a a day worth living. Absolutely. We all want to be loved and appreciated. Exactly. You know, at any age, whether you're a child, you want your parents to love and appreciate you. When you grow older, you want to be loved and appreciated by your kids, by your by your parents, by, by society. And it's the same thing. I mean, exactly. that is the basis of human nature. You do not want to be somebody who feels that they've been left out and forgotten. So you know, whatever you're doing, thank you. Thank I'm you. I'm so happy to to bring this topic to, to light because everyone is dealing with that within their family and, and we can all do something about it. Thank you very much, Kanchan. I'm you, glad Shiner. to put it out there. It's a difficult topic. Not many people want to talk about it. But we all must. But we must. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. I hope we've been able to answer some of your questions and there is so much that can be done for our parents and for the older generation. We all must be part of this new process and this new movement. Remember, don't underestimate the older generation. They got their education without the help of Google and Wikipedia. This is Kanchan Kulkarni saying goodbye for now and speak to you again soon.